If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. Welcome to today's episode of the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, brought to you by City Fertility. City Fertility have proudly created Rainbow Fertility, which is Australia's first dedicated fertility and IVF service provider to cater exclusively for the LGBTI community. Rainbow Fertility are uniquely qualified to help you achieve your dreams of parenthood, so visit Rainbow Fertility today to learn more about how they can support you on your journey. Welcome to the podcast tonight, Kylie. I would love to start by understanding what led you to become a solo mum by choice. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Um, I probably, not like everyone else, I really didn't actually want kids initially when I was mm. in my sort of early 20s. Um, I was more than happy just to roll on and just be me. I thought it was kids I'd never really been around for me, like never had kids babies and stuff around me very much um, when we were younger and even growing up and stuff. So just wasn't something that I ever wanted to actually have when I was in my 20s and at uni and sort of late late 20s, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I dated people with kids. So they, it was like an instant family, but it was just never something that I kind of ever wanted to have. So yeah, just was more than content just to roll through. But I suppose I did always like people were always like, oh, you're gonna do you want kids? Because it's always a question you get asked as a female yeah. is like, you having family, you having kids, and I just never could meet like one bad person after another, really, or just they never loved me as much as you know I had loved them, and mm. they would break up with me. The same old story, um, and so yeah, probably around late late would have been very late twenties. Um, sort of was just chucking off the cuff off, you know, if I don't meet anyone. I'll just have a baby by myself kind of thing, you know, and you sort of just more say it for shock factor more than anything else, not actually thinking that that's what would actually happen. Um, Yeah, so, you know, you sort of gauge the reaction of your family and friends around you when you kind of say it to see whether or not it might be something that they would, like, entertain if you actually did follow through with it kind of thing. And then I thought, oh, maybe by about you know, early 30s, I might just, you know, sort of look into it a little bit more. That stage, like my career was just far more important. I loved work. 
loved everything about it. It's what defined me. So that's pretty much what I what I had focused everything on. At the time I was working in a after uni, I was working in a pretty demanding, like long hour job. So um really didn't make time for a lot of dating and anything and the only people I would meet would be other work people so you know if I'd exhausted that pool Mm -hmm. they always say that you shouldn't date from work but um you always end up doing that and making that mistake once I'm sure um and yeah and then just did a complete career change Mm -hmm. so went from retail into real estate um and then yeah focused working my way up in that so I'm now an EA so that's where I've ended up so that can be very demanding um role especially when you're dealing with like CEOs and COOs Mm. and everything like that so that was my main focus pretty much until my early 30s and then I thought oh maybe this is actually something I actually needed to consider I just can't meet anyone I cannot be bothered dating don't have the time or inclination to try and meet a man I just I'm happy in life now I don't think that I need a man. I don't think that I've, like, I would love to meet someone eventually, but I just, I'm not going to force it. I've never been that data. I've always hated dating. I'm not someone that goes on, I've never been on Tinder. Um, I would never, I've been on eHarmony back in the day, <laughs> like, you know, um, and I just, yeah, just never met the right person. So by, yeah, early 30s, it was like, all right, I need to potentially start seriously thinking about this um and then yeah so I went took myself off when I was 35 was the cutoff was the point for me that was where I was like no need to seriously do something at that point were you actually thinking I do want a kid though if you weren't really into kids before that kids it kind of snuck up on me more so the motherhood thing I've got I'm super close to my mum like we are like we are besties and like we do everything together and a very close-knit family very close to my brother my sister-in-law my dad like we're all we still have family up before COVID we used to have family barbecue every Sunday like night so we would all be over so that would be my grandparents and like my immediate family as well and so it's just like having kids was kind of something that's more so snuck up on me because I saw the close family that we had and your parents aren't going to be here forever unfortunately as much as you'd love to keep them around forever um that's just not reality and I kind of wanted thought well maybe I just need to have my own little family that I can create that same amazing feeling with when they're no longer with us to some degree so that was and that really did creep in from late 20s like to the early 30s and when you start to see your friends, you know, getting married, starting their own families and stuff and, you know, these, these little things like mm-hmm. I've always had two little dogs as well that have been my fur babies and it was like, well, I need more than that. Yeah. I love them to death and I think, you know, that was sort of a flow into some degree of like, you know, having more love to give than like your is actually needed, if that kind of makes sense. Like it's just like you've got more you want to give but there's nothing to give it to. So to create a little baba, like I think is like what my motivation to be a solo mum really was. So, yeah, so 35 was like my own deadline as it is with a lot of it um, just to see what's going on. So made that, went to the GP early of 2019 just to get my referral um, through um, 
met with um, my specialist at Monash IVF at that point in time, um, did all the blood work, tests and everything like that, went and had the, um, what's the test called, um, just to check my egg count and everything else like that to make sure that was all fine. Um, and it all came back, not a problem, like I had eggs there, shouldn't have been an issue. Um, and then like all the paperwork came through um, and then, I don't know, something just didn't sit right with me with what was required back in 2019. So I um, literally, they obviously then you had to do a police check. You're um, making sure that you had no issues with kids and stuff like that. And I was just, it never sat, never sat well with me. I just thought, why am I being treated differently to anyone else? that can conceive naturally um so I kind of like just put it on pause just wasn't happy with it at that point in time um and in the meantime my specialist actually left Monash IVF um and started her own like um company so ended up going with New Life okay so I just ended up keeping that email to say that she had left Monash and where she was moving to and what she was going to be doing um and so I yeah, just kept that sitting there and then it would have been, yeah, what date was it? Yeah, it would have been end of 2000, yeah, 2020. End of 2019 it was, was when I reinvigorated everything again. Um, and, yeah, just went back to her and the rules had started to change sort of thing again. So I didn't have to do the police check. So I was like, that's a win. <laughs> um, and, yeah, just, yeah, went from there. So had my egg collection in 2021. So you went straight to IVF? Yeah, went to IVF. Originally she wanted to put me on IUI. So mm -hmm. I would have been on a wait list for ages at Monash IVF to do IVI back in 2019. So that was part of the consideration as well. Um, but yeah, obviously a year or two had gone through and she checked my, I had some more bloods done and some more tests done. And she's like, yeah, like we need to, I think. And she even like, I'm someone that literally takes in all information and then I'll make a decision. Um, usually pretty much based on fact. I'm not, I can remove emotion out of big decisions like this quite well. My gut does have a little bit to play with it, but it's never an emotional decision and so she gave me the option of doing IUI or IVF um but obviously there's a 10% chance with IUI much greater chance with IVF um cost wise IVF in the long run would have been cheaper than actually IUI if you had to do multiple rounds of IUI so that was the path that I chose to take in that regards um so yeah so that January 21 I ended up having my first egg collection mm -hmm. um I've got 12 eggs then and four to stage like to day five so I had four embryos that I could work with um during that time I was literally the how it all worked out I was selling my out my apartment at that point in time as well 
And I remember just being in the bathroom, like giving myself one of the injections at the bang on time just before my open house like <laughs> happened that night. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing here? My agent's in the other room, <laughs> like waiting for me to finish in the bathroom so I could like get the <laughs> like get out of the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, this is re- the things you do though. It's just like that floored me how like precise it all had to be, like in timings and everything, like. Like I'm a very, like, very on-time person anyway, but, like, that to just rule your life like that is just craziness, like, to have to do that. It was so bizarre. But I found that whole experience just an out-of-body experience for those weeks. It's, you're just, it's like you're floating above yourself um, and, like, you're just seeing, yeah, I was just re- really funny headspace during with all the drugs and stuff going through you and the hormones. You don't realise how it affects you till after. Yeah. Like it was crazy. But yeah, so I was super lucky. Four embryos and I was absolutely wrapped. I got OHSS though, so I couldn't do a fresh transfer um mm. at the egg collection. So I had to How go did back you feel with the OHSS? Did it hit you badly or did they just postpone? Nah, not too bad. Just a little bit of like cramping and just like really bloated. Like not, yeah, nothing great. Like I wasn't hospitalized or anything like that. I was um just very uncomfortable and I was just my ovaries were just nice and big and bloated. So, yeah, that was pretty much it. But, um, yeah, so because of that, I couldn't have the fresh transfer. So I um, had to wait till the, my next cycle to get that one through, um, which unfortunately wasn't successful. Mm. Then waited again um, for the next month, did my second transfer, and that was not successful either. And that's when my specialist was like, look, we can do some more invasive like stuff. So I went for a lapros- laparoscopy mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, to get a clean out and just to check for endometriosis and just to make sure everything was like fine with everything there. So that was a nice day surgery um, in the hospital. Everything worked out fine. Everything just had a nice clean out and um, she just zapped or removed minor endomet- signs of minor endometriosis. So nothing crazy there. Um, then had to recover from that. And then by June, July 2021, I was ready to do another transfer. And that is my baby page. Ah, okay. She was lucky number three. Wonderful. Yeah. So that was all good. But oh, the second one, bef- the second false, like the second negative test after the second transfer gutted me. I have... I was at work when I got that phone call and I just could not stop crying. It was like I just had a piece of me. I was just like gutted, tearing up now thinking about it. Um, but, yeah, so the third one, I was absolutely elated. I couldn't believe it. I got the phone call. I was at my mum's house and I didn't want to tell, like they knew everything that was going on and um, I wanted to surprise them. Before I was even starting this, I had my egg collection I'd gotten little um, cards made with scratch things to say you're going to be a grandmother like on them and one for dad that said you're going to be a grandfather and I got one for my brother and my sister-in-law like and my grandparents to say you're going to be great grandparents and I had them sitting with me even before I'd had my eggs like taken out of me in preparation for this moment. Manifesting it, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it was going to happen. And so when I had the first failed one, I was like sitting in my car glove box still 
And then the second one, I was like, they're never coming out. Mm. Like, this is going to be so upsetting. I'm never going to be able to use these cards. Like, I've just wasted my money on this. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the third one. So I was, like, literally on the phone in the spare room at my mom's house and I was like, yes, like screaming into the phone really quietly, like, so mum couldn't hear me because I couldn't tell mum before I told dad it had to happen at the same time. Yep. <laughs> Um, so yeah, hold on to that one for a good couple of hours before dad came home from work. And yeah, did you get the cards out of the glove box? Got the cards out of the glove box because they were in the car for these moments because I knew I couldn't have them sitting at home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, so I got them out of the car and had them sitting there. And then I sort of like presented it to them, um, like as if I had given them a gift, like or going on like a trip away or something. (laughs) Like, yeah, so it was really cool. Both burst into tears. It was a really good moment. And then I drove around to my brother's house and then the next day I went around to my grandparents' place. So, yeah, it was pretty exciting. Just like a normal announcement. That's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Like I just, yeah, never thought I'd be that person, to be honest, of like, but I just, it was just all-consuming. Like it was just, it's amazing how and you know if I think if I had a partner it's how I would have done it anyway so I was like well why do I need to change this up like just because I'm doing it on my own doesn't mean that I can't do it how everyone else does it and how I had envisioned that I would be doing it anyway so yeah that's kind of how I've taken this whole this whole journey really like just if I wanted to do it I just do it (laughs) nothing stops me sounds like a pretty awesome attitude to it all How did you find um, selecting your sperm donor? That was, like, actually super interesting. I I actually quite enjoyed it. So when I first went to New Life, they obviously still had to get their collections up and going because it was, like, a brand new, like, it was when they had just opened. Um, So I had been told that they would start trickling through. They had donors, like, coming through they just needed to start trickling through um and they also had access to the european to a european database as well so um they literally had a portal that i logged into and every day there'd just be new profiles on there that i could go through and just read um to see what was on there and everything so and the nurse like the nurses at like new life were phenomenal like to be honest i really didn't have a lot to do with my specialist if that kind of makes yeah. sense she you don't see them, you see the midwives, like they're phenomenal. And um, their donor coordinator was just phenomenal. Like she was like, you'll know as soon as you read like this, the um, profile on who you want to pick. And I was like, okay, I can kind of see how that could happen. And like I'm reading through all these ones and I'm like, okay, I did obviously wanted a Caucasian because I wanted someone that looked, well, I wanted her to fit into my family and not be like a um, different so a lot of like Asian um, just like donors were on there, so they were just immediately discounted um, for that reason. Um, and then it was just I, I wanted my main criteria was I didn't want me. So in terms of like looks, yeah, but in terms of education, um, life experience, hobbies and interests, I wanted them to be almost the polar opposite to me. Okay, because I for me like. I don't, I would never date myself. <laughs> like I, that's not who I would, I, I would pick someone that would compliment me yeah. more so than be a, like another version of me. So that's kind of how I went with the selection of the donor. So 
I'm very analytical, very like matter of fact, very organized. My donor is a bit of a muso, <laughs> works in hospitality. Um, I've got my bachelor's degree. His one is like a cert for it, TAFE, like in hospital. Yeah. Like it was, we're completely different people. Like um, athletic wise, both very similar. Um, he was into car, like he's a mechanic by trade. My dad and my brother are also mechanics by trade. So there was that kind of family tie-in because at that stage, obviously, you don't know whether you're having a boy or a girl. Height was super important because my brother's um, six foot four, my dad's six one. Mm. So I didn't want someone short because if I had a, sh- a son and they were little, <laughs> like it would, it would be odd because <laughs> like, no doubt my brother will have kids that will be quite tall as well. So it was just kind of like seeing how they could fit in being boy or girl and just throwing a different mix in this in like in everything because I'm so not musical at all but my donor plays the guitar and his little note that he wrote was just super lovely um I love the fact that his parents were still together as well yeah so they were he still had he had a family unit like kind of what I had as well so for me that would be if they ever like if Paige ever wants to meet him, then you know there'd be that commonality in terms of family side of things. They were still together, country boy. Like it was just yeah, it would probably would have been someone I wouldn't have probably dated this guy. <laughs> but for me, in terms of his traits, I think it gives like Paige could grow. It'll be anything. Like do you know what I mean? For me, it just it broadened the scope of what Paige or my future child would potentially um, be able to do. So that's how I sort of went about selecting a donor. And you ended up going with an Australian donor then? Yeah, I ended up with an Australian one. So he had literally. intentional or it just was, it was that? No, it wasn't intentional. I had looked at both. Um, I had probably the night before two European ones on there that, um, but they just, there was something about it just wasn't right. But as soon as he popped up and I just read it, it was exactly as like the nurse had said, like it just sort of resonates with you. And that was the decision that you made. So I had literally flicked an email off at like 10 o'clock that night after I'd read, like sitting on the couch, you go through the profiles, like when you're on line dating. Um, and yeah, just said, can I please have, you know, my donor SP, whatever his code was. And yeah, so they put it through. He still hadn't finished all his screening um, right. for his blood work and stuff, so I had to wait a couple of weeks for that. Um, but, yeah, he's already got multiple kids already. Paige, I think, was number four or five of the babies of his. So there were quite a few life. of you that night sitting there uh, going, I want yeah, so Yeah, so I know she's got siblings out there already that I will, yeah, try and catch up with at some point. Have you made any attempts to meet them or have you just found out through the clinic that they exist? The clinic told me um, that they existed, but I've got her on um, Vita's register mm-hmm. so um, so I could potentially meet them through there. Nothing, I don't, the do- donor himself, I'm not ever going to push that one. That'll be from Paige. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of divlings, I'd be more than happy to meet the other families and Stuff would be great. Actually, I haven't contacted the clinic since um, Paige has been born. So they just contacted me a month after she was born just to sort of let me know that she was number four <laughs> from the donor. Um, but they'd all sort of been born every one every month for a bit, <laughs> which was kind of cute. So, yeah. Just interrupting this episode for a quick word from our sponsors. 
Not only have City Fertility sponsored this episode, they are also extending a very generous 20% off discount for all of my listeners. That's 20% off IUI, IVF, ICSI, as well as six months complimentary egg, sperm and embryo storage. If you're just starting out or about to undergo treatment to make your baby dreams come true, head to the show notes for my discount code and a link to their website for more information. Brilliant. So obviously we went on to have a little girl. Yes. Um, how how were the first little while being a new mum? Was that what you thought it would be? I had built no, I had in my head that was going to be the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. Okay. And just because of all the advice that everyone had partake, like chosen to give to me. And as I said, I'm someone that will take all the information in, but if it, I will always adopt it to my life or like how I need to use that information. So I was more than happy to grab all the advice and be told the advice. Um, so I had prepared for it to be the worst time of my life in terms of sleep deprivation and everything, but it just was so far from that. So I had my mum when I was going through all this and through my pregnancy, we discussed the plan on what it was going to be like um, once Paige was, once the baby was born. So mum had offered to come and stay at my house for the first month while I was mm-hmm. here um, just to help me with everything, um, which was an absolute, um, I honestly had the best, I, I can't complain about it. Paige has always been an amazing little sleeper. Yeah. So that was something that I'd, wasn't prepared for but I got so that was amazing she's just a super chilled relaxed little baby even when she came out like at birth she literally just laid there and just kind of like looked up because <laughs> she was just like okay I'm here now and like she was just super chilled um but mum was just I don't mum just let me do my thing which was amazing so like I'd, I said to her the one thing I just really want to have from you in those first like couple of weeks where that you're with me I just want to have a shower every day like if you can just always you know a shower a day and just a coffee like that's really all that I want and honestly she did not fail to deliver that at all mm-hmm. it was just I felt human I think I was still on so many like dopamine must have been running through my body for that first month because I was just elated like I was just so excited to have this little thing. Had no idea what to do with her. I was treating her like she was this little, like, breakable little thing. And now she's definitely not a breakable little thing. She's a bullet <laughs> agape. Um, but, yeah, it was honestly probably the best time of my life was that first couple of months. And my recovery actually took longer than I thought it was going to. Um, so mum ended up staying for two months, okay. for eight weeks. Um, just because I was just a little bit sore than I um, just from the birth and stuff. So my recovery took longer. But, um, yeah, no, she latched super great. She was We were out of the house on day 10, like, because I just am not someone that can sit at home. I was never going to have a baby. And I was lucky, too, because she came right when we were out of COVID, too. So she's definitely not a COVID baby. Um, I just, something that I just always wanted was a child that, she's not on a set schedule because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not my life when it comes to like doing things or getting up and, you know, I always still wanted to maintain my relationships with my friends, with my family. And I just didn't want to be that mom that like, was like, I'm sorry, I can't come because that's Paige's sleep time. Like, and I mean, I'm very lucky that that's never affected her. She'll sleep in the car. She'll sleep in a, um, 
pram if she needs to. She puts herself to sleep. Like I'm just, yeah, I said, I and I know I'm lucky. So I'm not like rubbing this into any future mums or mums that have kids that can't sleep. Like I know it's an it's a thing, but Paige just has never been like that. So I've just I've loved every second of it. Just <laughs> I was literally out visiting my grandfather in hospital when she was 10 days old, like wow. to introduce her to him, like, and just, yeah, out and about at cafes, like even when mother's group stepped in, like um, we were just out two, three times a week, like in a cafe catching up. And so she's just grown up in that environment. And she's, just, she's literally just adapted to my life. Like Matt's, I think what's made it super amazing is yes, I've had to change heaps. Like I don't go out at night. Like I'm not going to lie. Like her bedtime routine is her actual routine. But through the day, we just live our best lives together. It's like super good. I love just jumping on the train and going into the city and we sit by Riverland in Melbourne and just I'll have a beer and she'll be like just sitting there people watching with me. Like it's that kind of stuff that I just love. Like, yeah, it's it was amazing. Those first, like I'm not going to, like those first eight weeks were just phenomenal. I just loved them. And I still do every day. Best decision ever. And now you're back at work. Yeah. So I was back How at work at that seven, going? yeah, seven months. Oh, wow. She was seven months when I went back to work full time. Okay. So uh, three weeks prior to me starting back at work, she went into daycare just so I could acclimatize her being away from me, um, which she <laughs> took like to water off a duck's back to her honestly you wouldn't have even known that I was leaving Mm -hmm. um she yeah loved it but that was super hard with the sicknesses that was the hardest part that was the worst part to be honest we were so sick all late last year absolutely sick for months and it just cycled around the whole family Paige get it I'd get it mum would get it dad get it and then it just started all over again just over and over this year touch wood fabulous been good yes I'm touching my head (laughs) um yeah it's all been good it's just nothing worse when you have your kid with a runny nose constantly all the time they're just so miserable the worst but hopefully she's grabbed most of the bad diseases now and she's got a bit of immunity built up for her but yeah no I'm loving being back at work I couldn't have I would have loved to have stayed on maternity longer but money-wise financially I couldn't um stay any longer not working yeah um so I I had to go back um if I had a choice I would have loved to have had a year off just to hang out with her more than anything else but being back at work has been great just for me mentally and personally I've I've always loved my job so um it was kind of nice to jump back into it and just have some adult time away from her as well which is super nice and it just makes me want to get back and see her every night like after work so how are you finding the juggle? Is there any advice you'd give to anyone else who's maybe about to go back to work? The juggle is real. Like I get serious mum guilt, like for not being around. My parents pick her up from childcare because I wouldn't make pick up yeah. in time. Their childcare centre would close <laughs> before I got home. Unfortunately, I don't work. I don't live very close to where I work. So I've got quite a big commute um, both ways with um, work. Um just have your backup plan. Uh, I literally one time mum and dad couldn't get her and I couldn't get home early, so I had to call my brother. Yeah. So, like, just have that list at your childcare centre, quite long of people that can actually pick up your child because you just never know. 
what's going to happen or, you know, and it wasn't through any me being stuck physically at like at work. It was because it was a huge storm in Melbourne and I just got stuck in traffic. So that was literally why I had, so I'd left in plenty of time, but Melbourne traffic had sort of like slowed me down from getting home. So that kind of, and also if it's someone that doesn't have kids, make sure they've got a way to be able to get your child from the childcare centre home. So whether you have a spare pram in your garage that they could potentially walk to or pick up so they can get home with the kid because if they don't have a car seat in the car, (laughs) um, you need to get them prepared. So the people on the list need to be able to, like, actually remove your child from the childcare centre for one and also get them home safely. (laughs) (laughs) Which you can't like, yeah. Which like we didn't you, re- you learned this the hard way. I did. My poor brother. <laughs> Thank God, where I my childcare center is very close to my house, so you can walk. But it was the reason I was late because there was a storm in Melbourne. Mm. So the poor bugger literally had to go and pick up my pick up page, and she didn't recognize like she wasn't super comfortable with him at that point because she was only seven months old, and so she was screaming, and he had to run because they couldn't put him in the put her in the car because they didn't have a car seat and I didn't have a pram left at home for them so he had to carry this little seven-month-old screaming (laughs) down the street the poor bugger oh my god I felt so bad I put him in that position but oh my gosh he did it and I was very grateful for that so and you learned a good lesson which you've thankfully passed on to everyone else that uh, I'm sure yeah Exactly. You just don't think of these things until it happens. Yeah, but that was parent of the year awards moment there, that's for sure. So it sounds like you've got a lot of family support around you. When you say that you sold your apartment, did you sell that to move closer to them to be, assuming you'd be successful? Or No, I moved. Um, I bought a bigger house. So I was in a two-bedroom unit um, and I bought a three-bedroom like villa so I've got a backyard for her to run around in so and I literally moved five streets oh. <laughs> we're all we're all very we're I've always, we've always lived quite close mum and dad are seven minutes in one direction my brother's seven minutes in another and my grandparents are like 10 minutes in another way so we're all very and I've got a friends all very close as well so very yeah so it was just it was more pre-planning it's like I bought a bigger car to like in twenty early 2020 as well, in preparation for having a baby, just, you know. So in your mind it was just going to work out, wasn't it? It just had to. I just don't like to fail at things and, yeah, this one's going to test me. I'm not going to sh- I'm not gonna lie. She's got a real strong little personality. I wonder where she but, gets um, that from. Yeah. <laughs> I know. As I said, I never wanted a wallflower as a child. I wanted someone with personality and spunk and that could stand up for themselves. So I'm creating that. <laughs> it's a detriment of myself though. But anyway, it's all good. She's just a lovely, loving little kid too. And have you thought about whether or not you'll have a sibling for her or many? Yes, I will be in discussions with that one. At the end of this month, I'm actually going back to my specialist Okay. Um, to do that I've got one embryo left mm-hmm. so I was always going to be transferring that one um because I in my I just can't destroy it mm-hmm. um I really originally wanted to donate it that was my original thought but then I found out that you can't because it's a 
anonymous donor, which yeah. is a bit disappointing because, yeah, but anyway. Um, and I just donating it to science just doesn't sit right with me at this point in time. So um, I will be transferring that later this year, mm-hmm. that one embryo. If that's not successful, I will probably do another round of um, IVF. Okay. If that's not, I'm pretty set on having another kid. I've just, yeah, I just love it. Just love, I honestly think I was born to be a mum and I never realised. <laughs> I, I love it. Love every minute of it. Never thought you wanted them and then boom. No, exactly. It's just amazing how your life can just change directions and just, I don't know, you grow up. I mean, at 20, really, what do you do know at 20? That was like going out clubbing and partying and, you know, having a good time. Nah, you need more than that to sustain your life. The love of someone is what you need. And however that comes, whether it's with family, kids, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, I think that's what you that what that's what fills your heart more than anything else. You've obviously got a pretty awesome support network around you. Have you had any negativity or any weirdness when people learn what your journey was to become a mum? No, but I love the shock factor of it. I love seeing people's faces when you tell people that you're a solo mum. A lot of people actually don't. I find I actually find it funny when people don't when you say that you're a solo mum and they look at you like. I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm. And it's like solo mum by choice means I don't have a partner, don't use a donor sperm or like, you know, um, donor egg or however she's come to be. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. And I just, for their, I love for the shock factor. It's quite funny because I'm super proud that I've done it. Like if that makes sense, I'm super proud of every mother that does, that chooses to do this. Um. So for me, it's like I've, I haven't really come across very much negativity. I had one guy at work actually um, when he found out that I was pregnant, he was like, oh, I didn't know you were in a relationship. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he's he sort of looked at me really confused. He had like literally I'd blown his mind. He was <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like how how does this happen? And he's like, oh, I didn't think you were in a relationship. And then he kind of just left. <laughs> I was like, okay, that was a bit of an odd interaction, but, you know. So do you realise I've done this with a donor or do you think I maybe had a one-night stand? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, he didn't ask and I wasn't going to divulge unless he sort of went into more. And so he came back, he came, actually came up the next day and he goes, I just want to apologise. And I was like, what for? Because for me it was just water off a duck's back, like, you know, it is what it is. And he goes, for yesterday for my comments, he goes, I'm really sorry. He goes, but how are you pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, I said, donor sperm. I said, you know, I've chosen to do this on my own because I can't meet someone. And he's like, well, that makes a lot more sense. He goes, I just (laughs) think you'd be the one that would go out for a one-night stand and just like, you know, and I was like, right, okay, so that's where it was. (laughs) Well, I guess that's the automatic reaction because most people don't think of donors. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so like now sort of when I say it, I'm like, um, I'm like, you know, I'm a solo mother. I said, and, you know, Paige is a donor child. Like is pretty much how I that's my flow of how it is. So there's less confusion on people's faces now, or they don't presume that I've got an X in the part in like the like picture somewhere, which I don't, I don't want. So I've had the discussions with the childcare center that she's a donor child that 
Um, you know, if you're reading books with just a mum and a dad in it, I would love you to be more clear and say that there's different makeups of families. You know, there's two mums, two dads, one dad, one mum. Like, you know, there's any grandparents raising kids. Like, everything changes. Like, now it's not the nuclear family that it used to be. So I've had that discussion with the childcare centre. Um, I've got your book. I've got multiple books um, ready for her that I'm going to be gifting her, like for her first birthday um, that we'll start to read now that she's starting to get a bit more comprehension of what stuff is. So, again, it's just it's like a it's a second nature to her. She's not going to – it's she's never going to think it's weird or something that I've just thrown on her. It's just what it always is. So. And if you look back now, is there anything that you think you do differently on your journey? Um, I actually don't think so. I from for me personally, I was it was r- the right time for me. Um, I just changed jobs. I just like there was a huge life changes for me that were exciting and big, but it was all kind of in preparation for this. And if I think if I had done it earlier, um, I wouldn't have been so ready. Yeah. I think I'm I'm more settled in myself and I love my life and I loved it before she came along. So I think if you're at that stage, like I think then you're more ready to have to bring someone else in and, you know, you never, she wasn't trying to fill a void. Yeah. She's just added to like how great I thought my life was, if that kind of makes sense. Like so, and I think I don't, yeah, she's she was never going to be born to feel something for me it was more she was going to always add an added layer of amazingness more than anything else yeah yeah that's that's yeah that's definitely so no I I can't say I would change anything because it would just be yeah no I kind of I'm very happy with how I made the decision I'm glad I checked like obviously my eggs back in the day just to make sure that they were fine that was more from a peace of mind situation if I had have known like to do that I probably would have done it even earlier just as a check just to know like I think that's I think that needs to start to become a bit more of the norm for women just to know where they're at so then they have more choices because mm. 35 seems to be like all of our sort of like cut off deadline for us women that do this like it's a very common number that comes out when you're talking to anyone um and, and it's sometimes also generally it, the cutoff for freezing your eggs as well so if you're only dealing with it then you might have missed an opportunity yeah correct and I just think maybe you know like hats off to the younger girls that you have actually like interviewed and they've done this earlier because that's brave like honestly that's amazing for them because that's you know it's a bigger stigma probably for them from society because they are younger but they're really the clever ones if you think about it they haven't wasted that extra five years or whatever it is that we have (laughs) to sort this all out I mean I was 37 but 38 by the time I'd had Paige yeah so like you know I'm 40 this year like it's it creeps up so quickly like so yeah and I think it's we just don't feel like we're as old as our biological clock tells us we are either and it's like, what, no. what do you mean I'm geriatric? What do you feel oh, geriatric? my gosh. If I heard that any more times through my pregnancy, <laughs> I was about to slap the public health system. It was like, <laughs> I just found it so rude. Yeah. Like, you know, they oh, just this, the generalizations that they put on us is ridiculous when I think some normal women, like, younger than us that go through this or not go through this but conceive naturally, like, 
you know, I was destined to get gestational diabetes because of my age, destined mm-hmm. to get preeclampsia, destined to like, you know, put on 30 kilos over my pregnancy. Like, and it's like, you couldn't have been further from the truth, but you just scared me through my entire like pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> it's craziness. So if anyone is listening to your story and is just considering whether this is the right journey for them or not, is there any advice you'd give them? My advice would just be, I think you just need to really listen to yourself um, and just, as I said, the journey for me was not to feel something with the child. Like, I, And so I don't know whether that's just be happy in yourself and I think, I don't know how to articulate this because I don't like you can't for me it was never going to be an amazingly right time and especially for me financially like for me that always plays in my head because you want to provide everything you can for your child Um, but in the end I was always chasing this goal that was sort of just always a little bit out of reach and I was like I've just got to do it like and it's just to the point where have enough to be comfortable but if you look at how many amazing single mums are out there now making it work with probably less than what you've got, but they still make it work and their kids are amazing, you know, they always have food on the table for them. There's never going to be a right time. It's just that what it's just, yeah, it's what you've just got to leap in. It's a sort of like a jump, a leap of faith in yourself more than anything else. Like don't self-doubt yourself because you can definitely do it. I think any one of us could do it. If you've got that maternal instinct and you want it to happen, then I definitely think that you should just roll with it. Like, it's just amazing. Best thing you ever did? Hands down. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Would not change it for the world. I just, everything about her just melts my heart. Just love her. That's a pretty awesome way to end. So thank you so much, Kylie, for sharing your story. I can't wait for other people to hear it. Thank you. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review, or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.